0: Bulls fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ. Thank you for joining me again this week and finally we have some free agency news to talk about. It took a week and an offer from the Sacramento Kings to make this happen but it would appear Zach Levine is returning to Chicago with 78 million dollars in his pocket so he's a happy man and I'm happy to introduce my next guest on the show today. It's Kevin Emerson of NBC Sports Chicago. Kevin how you doing man? Good, Mark. Thanks
1: for uh, thanks for having me on and talk with you. I talked to your Chicago rival, C. Red Fred, a couple <laughs> of weeks ago, and I had a nice conversation with him. Uh, so it's really good to to talk with you this time, and uh, we can give Fred a hard time on the
0: podcast, certainly. <laughs> well, I'm always up for that, and um, I'm glad you get to, to experience a smarter conversation this time around, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, look... <laughs> Obviously, we're we're on the line now to, to talk Zach Levine. The news came through today that the Sacramento Kings and Levine had and made an agreement for a $78 million restricted free agent offer sheet. That's over four years, so roughly $20 million a year, if we just want to call it that. He obviously signed that with the Kings. The Bulls had 48 hours to match, but in the space of, I guess, maybe an hour or two, it looked like the Bulls were pretty much flagging that they were going to match that deal, so... For me, there's a lot to process here. I don't think it's necessarily a slam dunk either way. I know there's some fans who think this is the right move, there's others that are very much against this. For me personally, I'm sort of, I don't know exactly where I'm at at the moment. There's a lot to process, but interested to get your thoughts on, on the deal itself and, and just, I guess, all the, uh, all the variables that were factored or should be factored into a decision like this.
1: Yeah, it's funny because Levine is a very polarizing player for Bulls fans right now. You know, we we threw out there uh, this, uh, you know, the, the initial offer sheet had come through, and I, I think it was almost like a 50-50 split of Bulls fans saying, you had it's a no-brainer, you have to match. And then the other half going, let him walk. We don't want him back for that money. And so you've got like this split down the middle of fans who are, Kind of looking at just that short 24 game sample that they had of Bulls uniform and judging him on that, and then you've got other fans kind of looking big picture. But you're right in regards to this contract. There are so many factors involved that not only the Bulls had to take in consideration of whether or not to match, but I think fans have to kind of look at big picture too. And number one is you cannot judge him based on the 24 games he played last year. You can't. He's coming off. Obviously a very, very difficult ACL injury, and he was trying his absolute best to get out there. He wanted to get out there sooner. The Bulls held him back until they felt like it was time to get out there. He didn't play in the right rotations. He didn't play under – he played under minute restrictions. I think it's very difficult to look at that small sample of how he played last year and go, well, he shot 37%. He's garbage. Now, I don't think it's fair to say that, and I think this is a guy who certainly was not playing at 100% last year. I think you need to take and judge him based on what he did before his ACL, and that was a very good player. This is a very very good scorer, a very good perimeter shooter, not a good defender, but we know he has to prove on that. But I think you really need to judge him based on the guy they traded for, not the guy we saw in the Bulls' uniform for the uh, second half of the season.
0: Yeah, and that's what makes this whole thing difficult, I guess, because we, I guess going into next season, we don't know exactly what player Levine will be. We, we hope for, that we will, at least yeah. we hope that he can be the player he was in his third season there with the Timberwolves prior to the ACL injury. But whilst I certainly agree with you that, you know, judging him on his 24 games in Chicago this season, is kind of fraught with danger given he came into the team when they when, when the team itself actively tried to lose at that point and you know, obviously he was returning from an ACL injury, and it seems like the team sort of empowered him to take as many shots as he wanted. It's kind of hard just to make the decision on Levine going forward over the next four years based on a 24-game sample that we did see this season. And we're obviously hoping for that former player that we once saw prior to the ACL injury, but the, the fact that that ACL uh, injury lingers in the background, I guess that's what, for me, gives me some pause as to we really don't know... What player Zach Levine will be, and I guess that was part of the the calculated risk the Bulls took in dealing uh, for Levine in that Butler trade itself. But yeah, it's like I said, there's a lot of lot of factors here to process in terms of uh, the 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 contract itself. But let, let's try to keep this positive. I'll try my best to be positive. I know you're probably more likely to be more positive than I am. Assuming the glimpses that we've seen of Levine as a you know maybe not as a first option, I don't think he can ever be that sort of a player, but maybe as a second or third option, assuming he's willing to be that, do you think a contract in the range of four years and seventy eight million dollars for a second or third option is out of the norm, and if not, do you think there's a there's a real chance here that Levine can still get there? I think it
1: is fair because the thing is when people look at that 19 and a half, twenty million a year average sometimes fans think that that goes back to when the salary cap was seventy million or even eighty million. You know, the salary cap next year is gonna hit 109 million. And so you're talking about spending what's the math? 17, 18 percent of your cap on one of your key players. That's normal. Like that's that's you look at the roster almost every team, that is a fair contract. And so I think number one, people get called up on that twenty million and go, Oh, he's getting paid 20 million. You know, only, only five guys in the league should get paid 20 million. But the reality is they think he can be a star. And so if he is, whether he's, you think he's the first option or second option on your team, he's worth that amount. And the thing is that also very, very important to realize here, as far as his contract is he's only 23 years old. And so he's going to be under a team friendly deal. And it is a team friendly deal for the next four years. if, Barring another injury, this is a very tradable contract. As long as Levine doesn't completely tank, like regress to the point of you think he is going to hit below 35% for three, or he's going to turn the ball over five times a game, or end up with a field goal percentage of 37% uh, from the floor. That's not who this guy is. Unless he regresses to that point, then it's a bad deal. But two years from now, it's still 19 and a half per year. And it's a, a good contract given the market and given the expansion of where the salary cap is. The cap's not going to restrict to $98 million next year. It's going to go up. It's going to go up the year after that. We're going to see another mini mini spike uh, down the road. And so when you take all of that into consideration, it's, it's a fair deal. It's a fair deal for the player. It's not a steal for the player. He's not robbing the bulls and the Bulls didn't pull one over on Levine. It's, it's it's a completely fair deal for both sides, given what Levine can be. And we talk about options, whether he can be the first option on a very good team or second option on a good team. Listen, the Bulls are not a championship team right now. They're still two moves away, whether that is hitting a slam dunk on a draft pick or just hitting a home run in free agency. They're still two moves away from being a, a con- perennial contending team. But Levine is a nice, good start, to doing that i think marketing is another good piece you still need someone else who's going to come in like a clay thompson type player a star type player to really put this team over the top but at 20 million a year for what levine can bring you on the offensive end and hopefully improve on the defensive end it's a really good start to putting together a playoff team
0: yeah so we'll see obviously what the bulls do next season but uh, not even next season but even i guess for the remaining free agency period that'll obviously go a long way in helping the Bulls, I guess, progress towards that playoff push, whether it's next season or thereon, uh, beyond that. But something else I wanted to talk about was this, I guess, this uh, methodology or this thinking of sunk costs and the fact that, obviously, the Butler deal itself, it was quite an emotive topic for, for most Bulls fans. It's one of those things where, I guess, over the last five years, we as Bulls fans have probably had, we haven't had too many situations where it seems like the most, or the majority of the fan base agree on one thing. It, it always seems like we're polar opposites apart and the Butler deal is probably uh, the most polarizing of that. And And I guess that feeds into this whole Levine narrative and and, and the contract he did receive. And I want to talk about sunk costs and the concept of sunk costs and specifically due to the Jimmy Butler deal and, and just focusing in on how that relates to the Zach Levine contract that we've just seen happen now. It's obviously easy to say, Ignore the Jimmy Butler deal. Whatever happened there is in the past. Grade this deal on on its merits in in the moment and in and whether it's a fair deal or not. But you touched on something there about the deal itself being hopefully potentially tradable down the line. And whilst I recognise the importance of sunk costs and, and that whole concept. I think it's hard as well when you consider like asset management of a roster to just let a young player walk away for nothing. Now, if you if you fully think that twenty million is you know ten million over what Zach Levine should be earning, I could sort of understand why you reach that position. But if you're someone like me who thought maybe fifteen million dollars was the right number for Zach Levine annually, it's kind of hard to balance whether you know this whole thinking about just letting him walk for nothing versus bringing him back, hopefully he turns into something. But if he doesn't, you know, maybe he could uh, trade him down the line. So it sounds like you feel he should be able to be, a, or will be able to be moved at some point down the line?
1: I think the potential is there. I think it gives them the option. But it's interesting that you bring up the Jimmy Butler deal and you know where you would have preferred to see the contract at a 4-15. So like for me, from a front office standpoint, and I know it's it's ironic because Nick Friedel about a week ago threw that number out there that the Bulls would prefer to have the four for 60 deal in Zach Levine's contract and Zach Levine responded to that to Nick's tweet with a laughing crying emoji which was itself hysterical and you know him basically saying there's no chance that he's gonna sign a four for60 deal and it turns out he was right um, but from a front office, standpoint from a fan standpoint if you feel that the fair and right deal for him is four for 60 at 15 million per and instead he's getting a 19 and a half per four for 78 that's really in terms of basketball money that's not that far apart and so like i would go all right if he's if he's having a hard line and obviously when he signs an offer sheet you can't negotiate back to the offer sheet. It's either you match or you don't match. You can't go back to Levine and go, okay, well, why don't we go for 17 and a half and meet in the middle? That, that The time for that is over. You can't do that anymore. And so instead it's either 19 and a half or nothing. And to me, 15 per year is obviously a very good deal. And that would be more on the team friendly side of things that the bulls got one on Zach, but you can't go, ah, you know what? I'm going to let him walk because that four-and-a-half per year is just too much. Because in reality, you're not going to get a better player than Zach for that four-and-a-half, even the 19-and-a-half that you were going to get for him. So I think it becomes a good deal from that. And then going back to the Jimmy Butler thing, for me, it's all like everything, all these moves aren't made in a vacuum, right? So Jimmy Butler became the face of the Bulls, became the star of the Bulls the moment that they traded Derrick Rose to the Knicks. And then Jimmy, certainly all-star, was doing great, and the team was still mediocre. You had a, a, a arguably a top 15 player in the league, and you were still scratching 500, just making the playoffs and not making any noise in the postseason. And they felt like with a year and a half, uh, with two years left on Jimmy Butler's deal, that that was the time to trade him. And they did, and now you got Zach Levine, who arguably was the centerpiece of that trade. It turns out that that seventh pick, which turned into marketing, uh, is a really awesome bonus in that deal. But then Zach Levine kind of becomes the replacement for Jimmy Butler, and I think you have to take that into consideration. That had you let him walk, essentially, you traded Jimmy Butler for Chris Dunn and Laurie Marketing, and why that may be fair to some people. Uh, I, I don't think that would be necessarily a good deal. So I think they had to take that into consideration. But back to your original point about being a tradable contract, I think from a business perspective, from a front office perspective, you still give yourself flexibility where three years from now, you got one year left on Zach's deal, still 19.5 per. The salary cap probably at this point in 2022 or 2021 is going to be somewhere around $117 million, $118 million in that range. That's a very tradable deal. And so if Levine's still playing at a semi-high level, even if he's just an average player at that point, he becomes movable and he becomes tradable. And I think it's important for the Bulls to have that flexibility in that regard.
0: So you mentioned flexibility, obviously a, a famous word that the Bulls like to use. So let, let's talk about that premise in, in itself and the fact that and I know you had a tweet about this earlier today, so for for people following Kevin online on Twitter at Kevin underscore NBCS, you know Kevin is one of the better guys on Bulls Twitter in terms of filling out the salary cap sheet, giving us progress updates in terms of what the roster stands or how the roster stands and what the camp implications of that will be, both for this offseason as well as those beyond. And you had a tweet earlier this morning, I believe, around what the Bulls cap position will look like now that they've brought back or agreed to um, bringing back Zach Levine, so you've basically posited that the Bulls will have projected a uh, projected cap space of around forty-five million dollars. Obviously, that number can move and change depending on you know players that they keep, whether they make ex- Yeah, exactly, Porter's. Uh, what they do with Grant and Valentine and these sorts of guys, where where their next draft pick will end up. You've currently posited it there at the fifteenth overall pick, but if it's a top five pick, that becomes even more expensive. So that the cap number can change from now is essentially the point. But we'll work on the number of forty five million. And thinking about flexibility, we we knew that the Bulls wanted to be a twenty nineteen cap friendly team, and hopefully would be able to open up enough space to sign not just one, but two max level free agents, but with $45 million in the bank for, cap, uh, for free agency next uh, next offseason, it's not a ton of cap space and it's certainly not enough for two max slots. So how do you pass that concept of being a free agent player next season and hopefully having two slots there for, for max free agents versus weighting that against re-signing someone like Zach Levine to uh, effectively a $20 million per year contract?
1: Yeah, and the thing is, because they're getting Zach at that number, it essentially takes them out of getting two max players next summer. I know there's the you know the report about Jimmy and uh, Kyrie Irving wanting to team up on the Eastern Conference and trying to make that happen at some point. I know a lot of Bulls fans were like, let's bring Jimmy back, bring Kyrie in, and we'll be an Eastern Conference contender immediately if that happens. But unless – Jimmy and Kyrie both take discounts. It doesn't have to be a severe discount, but they'd have to get to 24, 25 a year, which is probably about six or seven less than they'd be able to earn uh, on the open market for another team. Um, There's still flexibility there. Like my overall feeling is you're not going to see Jaron Grant on the team next year. Uh, And so then you, you get another, you know, nearly 4 million back, But at the same time, I think there's a good chance that Bobby Portis signs an extension before October 31st of this year, which would then eat into that space a little bit. I think the Bulls were looking into free agency next year. They definitely want to be players. They want to be available for a max guy or two second-tier players possibly coming in to have space, and they'd be able to do that. But I think the dreams of having two max guys come in is – you'd have to move a lot of money around and I just don't see how they get to that point with Zach's contract as it is right now. Like you, you can get grant off the books. You can get Payne off the books. You could probably get Valentine off the books pretty easily. Uh, but if they extend Bobby Portis before October 31st, which if they do, I think it's going to be somewhere in the 11 to $14 million a year range. Uh, that would almost certainly take you out of the running for two max guys. Uh, but it still leaves you a max slot for one guy, and leaves you two slots for two second tier guys. And we don't know what this team is going to be like a year from now. You know, I, my, all along I felt like the perfect player for this Bulls system would be Clay Thompson. But there are 30 teams in the league that would love to have Clay Thompson starting on their team, and it, it's unlikely he leaves Golden State if they keep winning and winning. I mean, Clay would have to get to the point of where he's like. I want to do this on my own. I want to go somewhere and be the alpha dog and not share the load with three other guys. I want to go to a team and prove I can lead a team and be the guy to do that. He would need to have that motivation for the Bulls to have any chance of landing a guy like Clay. And Ka- Kawhi Leonard's another guy who fit perfectly in the Bulls system, and they need a guy who's an elite permanent defender. But all indications are Kawhi wants to go to L.A if that happens, look out, because I can't imagine a situation in which you have LeBron and Kawhi on the same team defensively. I mean, those those the close and late possessions that everybody loved to talk about, the two of them would shut anybody, any team down. Uh, it'd be fun to watch, though. But, you know, flexibility-wise, I felt, like felt the only way they'd be able to get two max slots in here was either if, A, they did not match on Zach, or... If Zach played next season under his qualifying offer, then they could have done it. If he had played that, his cap hit for next summer would have been something around eight million. Uh, and that would have been easily easily be able to manage around. So at, at 19 and a half it becomes really difficult to go, all right, well, we can free up 60 million dollars in cap space. It just it's, it's hard to do that with Levine, Markin and uh, Felicio's contract is really what sticks out in terms of the cap space.
0: Yeah, so a range of good points there. And and for someone like me, as I sort of started the podcast talking about the fact that this isn't a simple decision for me to pass, the fact that there's a lot of variables here to consider. I was one of the guys that was hoping for the Bulls to be maybe one of the most prized destinations in 2019 in free agency. And to your point, they still could sign one max level guy, but getting the one player in is going to be difficult unless some of these younger guys really step up, someone like Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, even Larry Markin, and if they take a, the next step and really look like stars in themselves, maybe it makes it a little bit easier to get that one player in. But as we've sort of seen over the last few years, these big-time All-Stars want to pair up with each other. They don't want to be the lone guy going to the team by themselves. So, yeah, I, for, for me, I, I don't know how, how to feel feel about this whole 2019 free agency thing and I know the obvious retort to that is going to be well look at the Bulls history they haven't really signed anyone in the past anyway no I guess real game changes anyway so it doesn't really make sense for them to be big time players in free agency but for me I don't think you can look at it that way it's not about the results necessarily of the past it's about the process going forward and and I would have liked the Bulls to have that flexibility but as you sort of alluded to there it doesn't look like it's going to be the case. But let's talk about alternatives. And, and this is another important point to consider. And again, one of the reasons it's, it's more difficult for me to just say, yeah, it was." it's a simple decision to let him walk or it's a simple decision to bring him back, I think is the fact that there were no real alternatives for someone like Zach Levine during this free agency period. And maybe even next offseason, if the Bulls do strike out on... In, or rather in free agency, there may not be a Levine replacement there either. So I guess it's 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 easy to identify the problem in bringing back someone like Zach Levine at four years, 80 million, let's just call it that. But alternatively, we've got to think about some solutions and I don't know what the solution would have been for losing someone like Levine other than tanking out another another season and hoping that all star wing may just happen to fall for the Bulls in the free agent uh sorry in the draft uh draft process, but again that's a risk as we sort of saw this sort of uh this last twelve months so what were the alternatives to not bringing back Levine that sort of made sense if there were any at all
1: well I want to go back to an earlier point, and that is there is a path to getting two max slots, even with Levine under contract next year. It's unlikely, but here's what needs to happen. Number one is you need Chris Dunn to play at a fairly high level this season, and you would need him to play at a level to the point where he becomes a tradable asset or a very good asset. You would need Wendell Carter to play at least not be a bust. You need Carter to play like the seventh pick that he was. If you get either of those things happening, you then have a good chance where you can move Felicio with Dunn or Carter as part of a deal to a team that has cap space just just to create cap space on your own. So there is a path there to do that. It also might happen with Portis. Let's say Portis signs a contract extension and he for $11 million per year. It's a fairly affordable deal. If Portis plays, improves on what he did last year, he becomes a tradable asset. So you could not, not to move with Felicio, you would need someone to play really at a high level to move with Felicio. It would have to be a, a breakout player of Dunn, or it'd have to be Wendell Carter. Uh, but you could move Portis' contract if he plays at a high level. So there is a path to get the two max slots, it's just not an easy one. And you'd have to essentially give up an asset to have someone take Felicio, Felicio off your hand. So there, there is a path there. Uh, but in, in regards to your specific question about what would happen had they let Levine walk, number one is they would be the worst team in the league. There is absolutely no question in my mind, barring some other splash free agent signing this year, uh, they would be the worst team in the league. Now, certainly, they could sign someone to a one-year deal. They could sign uh, you know, Marcus Smart or, let's say, Jabari Parker to a high-dollar one-year deal. But the whole idea all along with letting Levine walk is to keep your 2019 cap space intact, to keep that integrity there. So it would make no sense at all if you let Levine walk and then sign Jabari Parker to a four-year, $72 million deal our four-year $60 million deal. that wouldn't make any sense to do that with him or Marcus Smart. And so there aren't many other alternatives for this season other than to go, we're going to take the Sam Hinky approach, we're not going to match, we are going to completely tank, and maybe we'll sign a couple free agents on short-term high-dollar deals to get to the salary cap floor and just see what happens. But if that happens, you're looking at a team that's going to win 20 games and be a top-three uh, lottery team. And given the lottery reform, that doesn't mean you're getting a top pick uh, the way it's structured now. So, I mean, between those two alternatives, I think it's absolutely no-brainer. You match on Zach Levine. You hope he's the player that you're paying him for. You're hoping the player is the guy you traded for before he tore his ACL in Minnesota. And then you are aggressive in free agency next year. I think that's the smart play, and that's what they're doing. I know it's hard to give Packs a lot of credit sometimes because In the last six years, they've made a lot of bad moves and moves that they get killed for, uh, like the Jordan Bell draft and trade just for cash and like drafting certain players like Marcus Teague and Tony Snell and not developing those players. But at the same time, what they've done over the last 12 months, starting with the Jimmy Butler trade last year and through this draft and through this free agency period, I think they are doing the right thing in this small time span.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair enough. And, and you know, your arguments are, are sound, but something else to consider here. And, and let's, let's close on this point or this question because well, we could probably spend two hours talking about this whole Levine situation. But let's finish up on this idea about Levine getting this big time deal and, you know, thinking about the player he was towards the back end of last season, who was a trigger happy guy, certainly came in and, and really established himself, I guess, as the lead offensive threat despite not necessarily producing as such, definitely was not an efficient player last season. So when you get now Zach Levine back for a full season, combining that with Chris Dunn and the fact Levine now has himself a really nice fat contract, which he's obviously going to be feeling good about himself. My next question, or or the biggest concern I guess I have moving forward, is how the hierarchy is really going to shake out from here. As, As we've talked about, Levine has got that big deal, but... It looks like, or at least I'm of the opinion, that this should be Lowry Markman's team. He should be the first option. But I wonder now, given Levine's received this big deal and the fact that the Bulls empowered him to be this alpha scoring type last season, I wonder how the balance, particularly on offense, and and that hierarchy is really going to shake out. And I'm concerned that maybe Zach Levine might be feeling himself somewhat. Chris Dunn, too, coming into his, his third season, wanting to impress and I just wonder what that leaves or what that situation presents itself with guys like Larry marketing and Wendell Carter jr. Who may fall a little bit further down the totem pole offensively than I'd like them to.
1: Yeah. And those are all very, very good points. I mean, I think first off for Zach, he's the highest paid player in the team. Now he's also going to be the highest scorer on the team. He's going to be the focal point of the offense, just by the nature of the position he plays and how effective he is offensively. So By default, he is the face of the franchise. Now that doesn't mean that Laurie Marketing gets brushed aside and that Marketing is going to be relegated to ten shots a game, and is not going to be able to develop his offensive skills. There are enough minutes and enough shots in NBA game to keep two offensive-oriented players happy. It becomes a challenge when you try and get a third player consistent shots and consistent minutes so that they are scoring you know, 18, 19, 20 points a game. I think we're legitimately going to see both Levine and Market an average over 20 a game next year. Now, that leaves Dunn as the odd man out. And Dunn certainly has showed progress. He showed promise. His, his improvement he made from his rookie season to his second season with the Bulls is outstanding. And if he can make a leap from his second to his third season like he did from his first to his second, the Bulls fans should be very happy with what they get from him. But Dunn has to cut down on his turnovers. He's got to cut down on forcing the ball when he shouldn't, and he's got to play smarter basketball for the point guard uh, position. And if he's going to run this offense, he's got to realize he's the one that's going to take a back seat to Markin and, and to Levine on this team. That is the biggest dynamic I'm concerned about is the three of them. Now the good news is, unlike last year, they're going to, all three go through training camp together. Levine didn't have a training camp last year. He was rehabbing. He was rehabbing for the first half of the year. And then when you force him in to the game, Levine wasn't playing consistent minutes with either Markkinen or Dunn. And we saw how that ended up. I think when I check that of every three-man lineup on the Bulls last season, that Markkinen, Dunn, and Levine had the worst plus-minus of every single three-man lineup on the team. Uh, And that's bad. That's not good. Those are your three core guys. You don't want them to have a plus minus. That's the worst on the team. But they're young and they can improve their chemistry. And I think they've got great chemistry off the court. It's just a question of can they now develop on the court. And Wendell Carter, I don't think necessarily he's going to be starting this year. I think Bobby Portis is probably going to be your starting center this year. I know the Bulls have even thought about... Giving Markin some time at the five position, uh, we'll see if that happens. But certainly the matchup presents itself. I think it could, uh, but I think you're going to go into this season barring another surprise free agent signing. I think your starting five opening night right now is Bobby Portis, uh, Markin, Holiday, uh, Levine, and Dunn. I mean, you're starting, and I think Carter is going to get minutes off the bench, uh, but I don't think we should expect anything outstanding from Carter, like. Him. You know, I I don't know if he's going to be in running for Rookie of the Year. Certainly, there's a really, really good rookie class he's going to have to contend with. Uh, But at the same time, he'll still get enough minutes to develop. I don't think we should expect anything, you know, too... Like, he's not going to get 15 points a game unless there's an injury in front of him, and he takes advantage of that.
0: Yeah, and we can't forget someone like Robin Lopez and, and Justin Holliday as well, whether they're still in the mix for the starting spot. They might be, but I would like to see the Bulls go for that youth movement this season and try to get those minutes into those plays because as we said before, we and as you sort of noted there, Market and Levine and Dunn didn't really play well together last season, but we can't necessarily just base our yeah. entire analysis on what we saw last season. So, there's a bit of a risk all around, but uh, we'll see what happens here as we sort of head towards the close of the off-season period, as you sort of alluded to there. We shouldn't be expecting the Bulls to do too much more. I guess the only other outstanding point is David Nwaba, so we'll see what happens in that regard. But, Kevin, before I let you go, what would you grade this deal? I'd I grade this deal to match
1: Zach. I mean, it's a. am going to give it the same grade I gave the Bulls draft, which was a B-minus it's a solid B, you know, in, in terms of what they did. Like, you know, they didn't pull, you know, they, it's not a super team friendly deal that had they got him for four for 60, the bulls would have gotten a plus for this deal. It's not a C minus where if Zach would have got four for 88 and something around that range. It'd be more of a friendly deal for Zach. I think it's just straight on a fair deal. It's a solid B. And that's honestly all you can really ask. And, you know, he brought up Minwaba, uh, I would like to see Enwaba back uh, in the Bulls uniform, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think mainly because they want to keep their cap space intact for 2019, and unless it's a uh, team option situation, I, I just I think they're going to going to walk. I think he's going to get an offer from somebody, and they're not going to match it. Uh, and then the other reality is for a guy like Robin Lopez, who is a fantastic guy. I love talking with him. I think he, unfortunately, like we saw at the end of last season, I think he's the odd man out in the rotation, which stinks. He's a veteran guy. He is very good at what he does with his skill set, but I just don't think he fits in the rotation in terms of you want to see significant minutes from your young front court in Bobby, Markin, and now Carter. I mean, where does that leave Lopez? That leaves Lopez getting 15 minutes a game in either reserve, defensive role, a mop-up duty, d And that's, it sucks to ask a guy like that to do that. He's a proud veteran. I know he wasn't happy with it last year, but I, that's I, the reality. Unless I see an injury uh, happen to somebody, I just don't see another situation for Robin.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think he's going to be one of those guys as an expiring contract who's going to be someone that's definitely going to be talked about as a movable contract, hopefully at the trade deadline. I think we could apply a similar logic maybe with Justin Holliday as well given that Chandler Hutchinson is on board now. Zach Levine is returning. Denzel Valentine is still on the roster, I guess, as well. We should uh, mention that, too. So it's going to be an interesting season. One that's still going to be focused very that's much on development.
1: He's a guy.
0: <laughs> well, I was US thinking West that... He uh, loves Denzel. He loves Denzel. He loves him. He loves Denzel. And I was thinking that Denzel is certainly a guy that feels himself wanted to be a starter. And um, had Zach Levine not return to the Bulls, or it looks like he's going to return to the Bulls, we may have been starting the season with Denzel Valentine in the backcourt there. But unfortunately, it looks like Denzel is going to have to come off the bench. So bad luck there again, Fred. But uh, <laughs> look, for the record, I'll, I'll I'll give my grade on this deal. Maybe somewhere in the C range. Uh, I probably can't go as high as B minus. I think everything you outlined is correct. I, I agree with most of those points. And whilst I don't necessarily think it's a horrifying deal, as some that I've seen online have sort of picked, uh, pictured it as... I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think there's positives to consider. There's definitely negatives as well. And I sort of find myself sort of balancing between the two. And basically at this point, I don't like the deal, but I still recognize that there's potential for it to be eventually become a good deal. Assuming Levine can trend towards being a quality second or third option as the cap rises. So I think that's my final take now that we've gone through it and talked it through and, That's kind of where I see myself sort of sitting. But, um, Kevin, look, I appreciate you jumping on, mate. Uh, Before you get away, tell the people where they can follow you online.
1: Yeah, so uh, NBCSportsChicago.com is the best place that we have our Bulls coverage. Uh, Vincent Goodwill, who is a friend of mine, is absolutely fantastic uh, covering the Bulls. He's got a great write-up of kind of how everything went down. Uh, today with the whole Zach Levine thing and then the Bulls thinking so I highly recommend that you can find me on Twitter Kevin underscore NBCS and if you like uh, Star Wars and NBA salary cap I'm the guy you want to
0: follow there you go you've heard it there from Kevin first if you're into Star Wars <laughs> and the Chicago Bulls if if those two worlds could uh, converge then uh, Kevin is certainly a yeah. follow on, on Twitter so definitely do that often seen on bulls twitter there talking about the team he covers so kevin again thanks for joining me mate and thanks again for making yourself available i know we've tried to make this thing happen probably two or three times now over the last i guess several months but uh it just by by chance this um this situation presented itself and it probably worked out best this is probably the best time to have you on actually so uh again thanks for coming on mate
1: mark love talking to you mark it was awesome Ben it was my pleasure and uh let's do it again
0: no problem. We'll do it again down the line. And uh, Bulls fans will be back again, hopefully, uh, within a week. We'll see what happens with David Waba. But Summer League is also approaching as well. So we'll, we'll have some latest of the latest news on how Wendell Carter Jr., Chandler Hutchinson, and the Summer League team is pre- uh, progressing, rather. hopefully, towards another Summer League title. But uh, we shall see. But until next time, thank you for joining me.